Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Brain 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific Time, 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. We are thrilled to have you along with us this morning. If you ever miss these calls, you can pick them up on an app or wherever you get your podcast by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90. Oh, um, the first one is actually SoundCloud. So if you put in SoundCloud, Frank Lomas, and either TR90 or Frank Lomas and Solutions, the digit four anti-aging, um, they could well pop up wherever you get your podcast through. If you're listening to this and it's a podcast, you can pick us up live at 712-775-8972. And when it prompts for the code, put in 910022, and we would be thrilled to have you along with us. Uh, we had a really great call yesterday with Frank Lomas. And for those of you that do not know who I am, I am Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon, which means I'm on the west coast of uh, the United States. And I'm thrilled to have you along with this. If we were, we're very fortunate that we have Frank Lomas and Brian Curry managing the technical side of things and making sure things get posted. And so we are just very blessed to have both of those gentlemen in our cadre of wonderful helpers. So the TR90 program, when you're first starting out, it's a good clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day. 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. Those fruits and vegetables, they give you fiber which gives and micronutrients and macronutrients. Guys should be getting about 45 grams of fiber daily. Us ladies need to be getting about 32 grams of fiber daily. We should also be getting 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. And mixing it up between both your um, aerobic and your weight-bearing or um, exercises so that you have a good balance going forward. That was one of the key points to Frank's articles from yesterday. Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night is optimum um, for most people. That helps your body do a whole bunch of system resets while you're sleeping, but it also sets you up really well for making good decisions the following day. And even a small sleep deficit can make a huge problem um, in uh, making decisions and being able to be really functioning at a good, high-quality level. With that being said... uh, Taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is optimum. If you're not able to take them 15 to 20 minutes before a meal, do take them with your meals. They'll still work. It's just not quite as effective as it would have been if you had been able to take it 15 to 20 minutes beforehand. And uh, staying hydrated, drinking plenty of fluid. Uh, Highly recommend water as being your fluid of choice, but... Um, because that's the best one that doesn't have all the additional trade-offs that one would expect from um, staying hydrated. The current thinking that you, is that you should get at least 
one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking a minimum of 50 ounces of water daily. With that being said, um, I'm always looking for information to share with you that will help support our Terra 90 lifestyle. And today's information is actually coming out of a book that's called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig, MD, MSL, and the information in here really goes into the politics and the science as to why we're getting to be the way that we are. And part of it is about the metabolic syndrome and how we're falling into that metabolic syndrome. So... First, there is no way anyone could actually burn off the calories supplied by our current food supply. A chocolate chip cookie has an equivalent of equivalent calories of 20 minutes of jogging and working off a Big Mac would require four hours of biking. But wait! Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps eats 12,000 calories a day and burns them off, right? If this were the case for all of us, diet and exercise should work. You'd burn more than you ate and lose weight. The diet drugs should work and you take drugs or eat eat or absorb less and lose the pounds. Except the meds don't deliver on their promises. They work for a brief period and then the patients reach a plateau in weight loss. Why do the patients stop taking the pills? No. So why do the medications stop working? The answer, because the body is smarter than the brain is. Energy expenditure is reduced to meet the decreased energy intake. So a calorie is not really a calorie because your caloric output is controlled by your body and is dependent on the quantity and quality of the calories ingested. Second, if a calorie is a calorie, then all of the fats would be the same because they each release 9 calories per gram of energy when burned. But they're not all the same. There are good fats, which are valuable properties, such as being anti-inflammatory, and bad fats, which can cause heart disease, fatty liver disease, Likewise, all proteins and amino acids should be the same since they release 4.1 calories per gram of energy burned, except that we have high-quality protein, such as egg protein, which may reduce appetite, and we have low-quality protein, hamburger meat, which is full of branched-chain amino acids, which has been associated with insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome. Finally, all carbohydrates should be the same since they also release 4.1 calories per gram of energy when burned, but they are not. A closer look at the specific breakdown of the carbohydrate data, carbohydrate data reveals something interesting. There are two classes of carbohydrates, starch and sugar. Starch is made up of glucose only, which is not very sweet, which and which every cell in the body can use for energy. 
although there are several other quote-unquote sugars, glucose, galactose, maltose, and lactose. When I talk about sugar here and in the rest of the book, I am talking about the sweet stuff, the sucrose, the high fructose corn syrup, both of which contain the molecule fructose. Fructose is very sweet and is inevitably metabolized to fat. It is the primary, although not the sole villain, the Darth Vader of the Empire, if you will, beckoning you to the dark side of this sordid tale. The third problem with a calorie is a calorie is illustrated by the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Tommy Tompkins, admonishment in 2004, that we're eating too damn much, quote unquote, would suggest that we're eating more of everything, but we're not eating more of everything. We're eating more of some things and less of others. And it is in those some things that we will find our answer to the obesity pandemic. The U.S. Department of Agriculture keeps track of nutrient disappearance. These data show the total consumption of protein and fat remained relatively constant as the obesity pandemic accelerated, yet due to the low-fat directives in the 1980s of the AMA, the AHA, and the USDA, the intake of fat declined as a percentage of total calories from 40% to 30%. Protein intake remained relatively constant at 15%. But if total calories increased, yet the total consumption of fat was unchanged, that means something had to go up. Examination of the carbohydrate data provides the answer. As a percentage of total carbohydrate intake, the intake of carbohydrates increased from 40% to 55%. While it's true that we are eating more of the classes of carbohydrates, starches, and sugars, our total starch intake has risen from just 49 to 51% of our calories. Yet our fructose intake has increased from 8% to 12%, and in some cases, especially among children, to 15% of total calories. So it stands to reason that what we're eating more of is sugar, specifically fructose. Our consumption of fructose has doubled in the past 30 years and has increased sixfold in the last century. The answer to our global dilemma lies in understanding the causes and the effects this has on our diet. There's one lesson to conclude from these contradictions to the current dogma. A calorie is not a calorie. Rather, perhaps the dogma should be restated as thus, A calorie burned is a calorie burned, but a calorie eaten is not a calorie eaten. And therein lies the key to understanding the obesity pandemic. The quality of what we eat determines the quantity. It also determines our desire to burn it. And the personal responsibility, just another urban myth to be busted by real science. So personal responsibility versus the obese six-month-old is what this 
particular um, chapter is um, about, and it starts out with a case study of a one-year-old girl who weighs 44 pounds, and she was 10 pounds at birth, and they're trying to figure out why she was that heavy to begin with. And it turns out that she had an incredible appetite, and her mother wasn't able to breastfeed her to keep up with the baby's food demands, so that she started feeding the baby solid foods at six months. And she eats constantly and will scream if her mother doesn't feed her. She also has high cholesterol and high blood pressure. So think about this, a one-year-old child that is in this situation. Is Sienna obese because of her behavior? Was this a learned behavior? When would she have learned this behavior and from whom? Has she, at age one, learned to control her mother to get what she wants? And should she accept personal responsibility for her actions? So they're talking about the baby here. Based on a calorie is a calorie, behavior comes first. Personal responsibility implies a choice, that there is a conscious decision leading to the behavior. This behavior is formed because of learned benefits or detriments For example, the child placing her hand on the stove and learning that it is hot, but does not make sense with regard. But this does this make sense with regards to obesity? In everyone, in anyone, there are six reasons to doubt the personal responsibility as the cause of obesity. The first one is obesity is not a choice. The concept of personal responsibility for Obesity doesn't always make sense. In our society today, one has to ask, are there people who see obesity as a personal advantage, something to be desired or emulated? Across the board, Western societies today value thin and shun the obese. Obesity frequently comes with many medical complications and those afflicted are more likely to develop heart problems and type 2 diabetes. Obese people spend twice as much on health care. Studies show that the obese have more difficulty in dating, marriage, and fertility. The obese tend to be poorer and even in high-paying jobs earn less than their peers. That's an interesting thought. Now, ask the same question about children. Did Sienna see obesity as a personal advantage? Did she become obese on purpose? Obese children have a quality of life similar to that of children on cancer chemotherapy. They are ostracized by their peers and are targets of bullies. Many obese children suffer from low self-esteem, shame, self-hatred, and loneliness. One study showed children pictures of potential playmates and each looked different and some had physical handicaps such as deformed or in a wheelchair. The researchers asked the children with whom they would rather play. The obese child came in dead last. Clearly, obesity is not something to which people, especially children, aspire to. However, this view of obesity does not necessarily square with the beliefs of obese people themselves. They see themselves as perpetrators and not victims. They often state that they know their behavior is out of control and that this behavior is their own fault. They frequently experience yo-yo dieting. They lose weight for a period of time and then gain it all back. 
and they blame themselves, seeing the gain as a character failing. They often recount binge eating, which suggests that a degree of dietary control is lost. These experiences of losing control make them think that they had control in the first place. But did they? And on that note, I'm going to stop there before we get into the second reason about um, obesity. At the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information on how to build a new skin business. And I want to wish you a great day. Look forward to um, having you back tomorrow to listen to Victoria as she gets this off for a wonderful start for our weekend. And this is Susan Mann from Portland, Oregon, signing out on November 17th, 2022. Make sure to get plenty of good quality exercise and take those supplements 15 to 20 minutes before our meal if it's all possible, but do take them with your meal if you can't. Have a good day. So there we have it, my friends, why we should be making sure that we're getting what we need. Oh, thank you, Susan. Oh, you are welcome. You are most welcome. I'm kind of excited to get get into the next part of this probably on Monday. So you know, we'll find out why we, it's really not a choice. Those calories, they trick us every single time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and it's actually the science that's behind it. When it's when you get to realizing it's the chemicals that are in some of that stuff, it's not good for us. That's a huge part of it. Well, I am going to scoot off to be the librarian today <coughs> for a school. <coughs> Hope you guys have a great day. And with that, We'll see. We'll be back here for Miss Victoria and her wonderful meditation. Okay, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. You. Okay. See you tomorrow. Okay. Bye bye.